host. Welcome back to Strength in Words, a family enrichment program for parents, caregivers, and infants and toddlers of all developmental levels. In this podcast series, we get together to sing a few songs, discuss some ideas for play, outline some insight about early development, and talk about life as a parent or caregiver in these early years of parenthood. The mission of Strength in Words is to provide peace of mind you already have everything you need to support the infants and toddlers in your life. This episode was recorded with a live audience of parents and caregivers as an added benefit of those participating in the Learn With Less curriculum. If you'd like to learn more about Learning With Less or about my best-selling books, Understanding Your Baby or Understanding Your Toddler, open up a new tab in your browser to my website, strengthinwords.com. If you enjoyed this episode, I hope you'll take just a minute of your time to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. This allows us to reach more families and share our values of education, inclusivity, simplicity, and respect when it comes to early learning and early parenthood. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. It's nice to see you here today. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. It's nice to see you here. We can start by saying hello to the people who are with us. Hello to Ayalet, hello to the singers, hello, 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 hello to the babies, hello to the toddlers, hello, hello, hello. Since I don't know your name, I'll help you sing the song and you can fill it in. Ready? Hello to your child's name, hello to your name, hello, 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 everybody, hello, everybody, hello, hello, hello. Today we've got a special guest on Strength and Words, Amanda Reeder, a mom, mental health therapist, and founder of Messy Motherhood. Let's welcome her to the show. Hello to Amanda, hello to Amanda, hello. Hello, 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 hello to all our old friends, hello to all our new friends, hello, 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 one last time. Hello, everybody, hello, everybody, it's nice to see you here today. Hello, everybody, hello, everybody, it's nice to see you here. So welcome to the Strength in Words podcast. So today I am speaking with Amanda Reeder. Amanda was a mental health therapist turned mom to two boys. Actually, she is a mental health therapist turned mom to two boys. She thought her experience in education would prepare her for motherhood, but she had no idea. She now writes on her blog, Messy Motherhood, to help empower mothers and fathers to feel confident in themselves and their parenting so that they can build happier homes with their children. She is the force behind the popular Mama's Anger Management eCourse, which has helped almost a thousand mothers stop the yelling and start creating happier moments with their children. Amanda, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to Strength in Words. Thanks. I'm so happy to be here with you. Yay. So I have asked you to come onto the show today to speak to us a little bit about how we can stop yelling, <laughs> because okay. let's be honest, it's something that we all do, yes. uh, and how we can make sure that we're not the ones throwing the tantrums. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We have caught myself there. But mm -hmm. first... I would love to hear just a little bit more about you and how you actually got into the work that you're doing today. Sure. So I'd say that I accidentally fell into this work. I didn't intentionally start my business um, talking about this, but there's a good reason why I do. So 
I'll start from kind of the very beginning, my background. I have a bachelor's degree in child development and family studies, and I've worked with children for a very long time. I was a nanny, did preschools, that whole thing to get me through college. And then I went to grad school where I trained as a play therapist and a children's therapist. And then I worked with children, mainly in the domestic violence field, working with moms and their children who are leaving violent situations. So I dealt with a lot of PTSD and safety planning and trying to help these kids and their moms kind of get back on their feet again. And so when I got pregnant, it, I was like, oh, I've got this. Like, I'm going to be great. Like, I have all this education. I've worked with kids for so long. I know how to emotionally regulate. Like, I'm great. I got all this stuff. I've got it. But I didn't. Um, <laughs> and the thing that surprised me the most was my own anger. Like, I, I teach people how to emotionally regulate, but then I wasn't able to handle my own big emotions when it came to my kids. Mm -hmm. And so I actually quit my therapy job and started staying home with my boys. Started a blog, it's just kind of like a hobby. And then one morning, my three-year-old spilled coffee on my computer and I, I blew up into what I call a Hulk mom. Like I started yelling and screaming. I think I was throwing stuff, like it was bad. Like it was a really bad moment. And it was right after that that I was like, I've got to do something different. Like, you know better, you know the tools, you have them, you're just not using them. And so I went to my blog and started writing about my own journey with Stop Yelling. And that's when things really started taking off. People were like, oh my God, me too. And you're a therapist and you're doing this, you know, all these kinds of things. So from there, it's kind of taken off. And now I um, help moms all around the globe how to control their temper and stop yelling at their children. Oh, that's a very, very important thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it wasn't and, purpose, but here I am. Yeah. Well, I I just love that you come at it from that honest perspective because I think a lot of times we hear from quote unquote experts. And if you've listened to the Strength and Birds podcast and you're part of this community, then you know that I I abhor that term. Well, there is no such thing as a parenting expert. We are yeah. there those people don't exist. So right. you and I, Amanda, have some knowledge. And I'm so happy that you are willing to number one, be honest and transparent about <laughs> your experience, but also right. willing to share this knowledge with us. So thank you. So in your work, you talk a little bit about sort of the cycle of emotion for parents and caregivers, which starts with that negative self-talk and some triggers and then <laughs> you know, how those impact our own ability to stay calm and regulated. So I would love for you to just sort of talk through that as much as you're able to just spell it out for us. <laughs> sure. That's a nice big question for you. It is. It's huge. It is it's, and seriously, since I've really been focusing on anger as a very specific emotion, you learn that there's so much that goes into anger. Anger is typically what we call a secondary emotion. Um, anger happens because of all these other emotions that you're feeling underneath the surface. And the problem that I find specifically with busy parents is that we're so busy taking care of all the things and our kids and our family that we don't focus on all of those things happening underneath the surface and they end up boiling up. And then usually what happens is you're, you're already boiling underneath you may not even recognize it and then your child does something that you don't like and you explode all over your child when and then you say well my children my child made me scream my child made me do this but in actuality if all that other stuff wasn't happening underneath you probably would have been able to handle that situation a little bit better so yeah. i do talk a lot about um triggers that are happening underneath and then we also have to be talking about the negative self-talk and the way that you see yourself and the way you see yourself as a parent and um, all of that plays a part in how you deal with your own anger and how you deal with your children so but there's a lot going on underneath there and i could talk about it forever but 
the three main triggers that I talk about. Now, usually when we think about triggers, we think of like one specific thing that made you angry that made you yell. But because I like to uncover all that, all that other stuff, there's three main types of triggers. The first one is your emotional triggers. And those are those things that are happening that you don't have a whole lot of control over. You're worried about things happening with your child. You're having a fight with your spouse about something. You're having financial stress. You know, all those emotional things that are happening can actually cause a lot of stress <laughs> and that yeah. stress boils and that's when you explode. So focusing on the emotional triggers is key. And I think the very first part and the second trigger we have are environmental triggers. And these are maybe some of the ones you've heard of before. A big environmental trigger for me is loud noises. So if my my house is loud, if my kids are loud, then I have a tendency to get very angry and agitated. When I'm running late to something, when I'm busy doing all the things and I'm being interrupted 18 times by my children, those are all those um, environmental triggers. And then we have snap triggers. And these triggers are your pet peeves. These are the things that make you explode really quick. And they're and we all have different snap triggers for me being hurt by my child <laughs> like I don't know if you, like, you know toddlers how they all like throw these big body tantrums they end up like smacking you in the nose or something and it just makes me so angry <laughs> you know yeah, it may not bother you but it bothers me um you know some people can't handle it when um things get spilled or when something gets broken those can be snap triggers yeah. um but they all play a part together and so you have to be aware of all three of those types of triggers so then you can be able to handle those situations um, that may cause you to yell or become angry so that's why we say that anger is a secondary emotion anyway i don't know if that answered your question i feel like I yeah just no that's all the things super useful i love that you're spelling out those common triggers and talk a little bit more about that the sort of negative self-talk because it is that cycle of okay then we have this trigger we burst out we we yell at our children and then we tell ourselves i'm a horrible person oh, for yelling yeah, at my child. Yeah. i know that i felt that way i mean <laughs> yep. i think we all feel that way like you feel that guilt and those that hor you feel like this horrible person for yelling at your child and so what happens is that you have a tendency to treat yourself and treat others the way that you think about them. So if you think that you are a bad parent, if you think that you're incapable, if you think that you aren't able to take care of your children, if you think you may not you be cut up for this parenting gig, then you start believing those things. And then you start really, you know, treating your children like <laughs> you start treating them a little bit worse. You start treating yourself a little bit worse. And then you get into this negative spiral of I'm a terrible person. I'm never gonna be able to stop yelling at my children. My children are always making me angry. I'm never gonna be able to stop doing these things. And then you end up in this downward spiral and it's hard to get out of that sometimes. So being aware of your own negative self-talk is extremely important because we as humans have a tendency to always think negatively about things. Um, we have to train ourselves to think more positively. There's been numerous studies about this and they're fascinating to me about how innately we go more towards the negative. And we will even see our children more towards the negative. My child's always yelling. My child never listens to me. My child, whatever. I mean, I can't think of all the... Right. We all have negative things in our head about our children. I do too. But being aware of that is key, especially when it comes to your children. Because when you think more negatively about your children, you're going to treat them in a more negative way. And so if you have a child who you think never listens to you, then you're never going to expect that they do. And you're always going to be ready for the next time they tell you no. You're always going to be ready to like jump on them or get angry at them or having to yell at them to get them to do things. So being aware of your own negative thoughts about yourself and your child 
is really key because you can't take care of those emotional triggers. If you really do think that you're a terrible person, or if you're really not good at parenting, then you're not going to be able to handle or cope as well. Mm -hmm. um, whenever things happen. Yeah. You know, it's super interesting because I'm thinking as you're saying this about the, what part of the brain is affected by like our making judgments, mm -hmm. right? about ourselves, about others, about what's a good idea or a bad idea. And then yeah. also the part of the brain that is like creating these anticipating patterns. Mm -hmm. These are all the same part of the brain that is this the, the frontal lobe, right? This is that executive functioning area, mm -hmm. that ability that makes us able to plan and make good judgments and anticipate behavior. Number one is the same part of the brain that is trying to help us make those good choices, but is also our downfall, right? Because we are making those judgments about ourselves and we're anticipating these patterns. And if we get stuck in that pattern, then it's a negative pattern. Right. And at the same time, these are also the same. This is the same part of the brain that our children, especially toddlers, it's totally messed up, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, messed up. it's growing rapidly. Yeah, it's growing. <laughs> uh, right. I mean, they don't even get that part until, you know, late adolescence. I mean, that is the last part developed and the brain isn't fully developed to your in your mid 20s. Yeah. So you can't expect a toddler to have any of those abilities. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. So powerful. Um, and and also, OK, so now what do we do with this? Right. OK, so what in your mind really actually is that link between taking care of ourselves uh, and taking care of our families. And what what does that look like? Because I know you also talk a lot about self-care and uh, you are also on a mission to, <laughs> to revolutionize the way people <laughs> think about what that is. And we talked a little bit recently with uh, Beryl Young, who's all about creating opportunities and outlets for ourselves to take care of ourselves and taking those moments. But I would love to hear about your... What's that link between taking care of ourselves and, and taking care of our family? Sure. So, you know, you've heard the thing that you have to put on your oxygen max first before you can put it on the next person, you know, fill your cup before you can give it to someone else. And I, I do agree with that. And I think that those are great analogies because the truth is, is that if you're not able to cope with some of those personal triggers going on, if you're not able to deal with some of those things that are happening to you and some of them you can't fix. I mean, you can't always fix arguments right away. You can't always fix financial struggles right away, but it's how you cope with them that's the important piece. And if you are unable to cope with stress, then you're not going to be able to parent your children the best way that you know how, because you're always going to be bubbling up. You're always going to be angry. You're always, you know, that, that's going to be underneath the surface until you can learn how to make it die down a little bit, for lack of a better word. Yeah. So for self-care, I, I agree with Beryl. And I think we all need these moments of creativity. I know her. I think she's fabulous. But I also think that self-care gets a bad rap these days. Mm -hmm. And a lot of parents hear self-care and they're like, well, I don't have time for that. And they just throw up their hands and they quit trying to bring these self-care into their life because they have these ideas that self-care is unattainable because of what's being put out there in the the parenting culture is that 
you know, we need to be able to sit down and watch Netflix all day long or, or stay in bed and sleep late or go take a bubble bath or, you know, even there was an article that said recently that we should be having like, you know, nights out with our girlfriends like twice a week or something. I'm like, who, who has time to do that? Like, I don't have time to do that. Or that we're taking these long vacations with our spouses or with our girlfriends. It's just not possible. And right. so it happens. And like, who knows for you if you are actually doing that? But yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, I, if, <laughs> that's awesome. I would love to be able to do that. And I think, and I do have some friends who are very good at, be, at being able to do some, do those things because they have the support network. They have people who are able to be there and they feel confident with leaving their children. Um, I don't have that um, personally because we move so much and we don't have family nearby. I don't have people I can just leave with my children to go take a date with my husband or to go on vacation with my girlfriends. Like it's just not something possible. And so I think that's why I get so frustrated with it because I read these memes and memes and articles and I'm like, yeah, right. Like who has time for that? And then I hear people talk about it and they're in the same kind of boat that I am or they're not comfortable leaving their children with people. Um, you know, there's lots of different reasons why we can't take a break. And so what I want people to understand about self-care is that it doesn't mean time away from your children. If you can get that, that's great. If you can't, that's okay. Self-care in and of itself is just purely bringing joy into your everyday life. And you can do that with your children around. You can do that in small moments throughout your day. They don't have to be these big, long hours away from your family in order to refill your cup. You know, some of my favorite self-care things, I love being outside. And if I could just go for a walk and I can take my kids with me, if they're playing in the backyard, I can just sit outside with a good book and watch them play, you know, and that is self-care for me. Driving around the windows down, like I said, being outside, that's that's self-care for me. Putting on some good music and having a dance party with my kids, that's self-care. And yeah. being able to recognize of how to bring in little moments of self-care throughout your day really can help you cope with some of those big things that are happening with you underneath the surface. Because you can't, like I said, you can't always help the fact that you're having an argument with somebody or that you're having financial stress. But if you can bring in some play, if you can bring in some joy into your life, then you're going to be able to kind of cope with those things a little bit better. So I think that that is it's key to stop yelling at your children is learning how to take care of those things. So bringing in some self-care that is possible and obtainable for your life is important. And so I get really frustrated when I hear there was somebody asked in one of the mom groups that I'm in, like, what do you think when you think about self-care? Like almost all the comments were like, I don't have time for that. I can't do that. What is self-care? Like, I don't even understand what that means. And most people weren't able to, to do it. And they're like, whatever. And they just threw up their hands and quit trying. And that's where I get frustrated because we do need that part of our life. But because of the things that we're hearing in mom culture these days, it's not always possible. And that can be really very frustrating um, to me personally. So totally. yeah. Well, and one other thing that you said in that also towards the beginning was like, we also especially because I know for me, when I had my second and you tell the story of when you had your baby and you're suddenly Hulk mom. I love yes. that term. <laughs> um, it's total like, because it is an adjustment period, yes. right? You, you become a mom for the first time or for the second time. And that period, it's a transition, right? It's not mm -hmm. like, we, I think that's one of the things that you and I both, Amanda, probably had this experience of like, I came into motherhood. I thought I was going to rock it. And then you're like, holy moly, like <laughs> what on earth? I had no idea. Like I didn't anticipate the level of like overwhelm or the level of mm -hmm. like, 
vulnerability. Yes. And and that same thing happens the next time you have, right. you, you know, you add another child to the mix, obviously. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I think one piece of that too is like to give yourself a little grace period and accept that it's going to take some time to find that new yes. normal. And the hard thing about that is that that period of time can vary for each person. And mm -hmm. you might have a friend who is having just like a really easy time with her second child. And you're like over here, like me, like my kid has silent reflux and he is screaming all the time. And I well, I'll tell you, I look from the outside, I looked like one of those moms who had all of her stuff together. Like my kids were usually pretty clean. I was on time places. Like I felt like things were okay, but I was in what I call the mom funk, like especially after my second was born. So the incident where he gets spilled computer, my baby had just turned one. So this was like a full year after I had my baby. <laughs> so because I'm just in time to take a while, but we had also just moved to a new home. I didn't have any family around, didn't have any, didn't know anybody. And it was winter and I was stuck in the house by myself with my kids and my husband was working crazy hours. And so I was, I was lonely and I was in a mom funk and I just, I just wasn't in a good season of my life. Yeah. And because of that, I wasn't able to cope with all the things. So you're right. Like those adjustment periods, when you bring a new baby in, when you move, when you, you know, when things happen, um, maybe even when your spouse changes job, anytime that something um, different happens, it takes a while to adjust to that. And I do find that that is typically when people fall into these mom funks is what I call them, you know, and they're just, and I, I react in anger. Some people, when they're in funks, they get tired and weepy. They may not, you know, want to get out of bed. They may feel more down and depressed. I have a tendency to show my sadness through anger. And that's a very, <laughs> a family thing. My, you know, I grew up with a mother who was like that and her mother was like that. And that's just kind of how I've all been taught to cope. So I think that that is also a really important key when it comes to yelling is looking at your family history. Like what have you been taught how to cope and how have you been taught how to raise your children? Because when things get stressful, you're going to innately go back to the way that you were parented. And those are going to be your instinctual ways to parent your own children. And I was raised by a yelling mom. And so I will instinctively go into more of a yelling phase because that's what how I knew you raised kids. So it takes a lot of effort to really undo those patterns. And it takes a lot of effort to get out of that mom funk. And that's where this healthcare comes in. That's where the negative self thoughts come in. Because if you find yourself in the funk, you're not going to be able to really deal with all of those underlying issues that are happening that's causing you to jump to anger more often. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just want to take a second to... <laughs> to to say out loud that we have a comment um, from one of our listeners who's watching currently, and she says, I am making this podcast required listening before our big family beach trip this summer, which had so much yelling last time, I almost refused to go this year. So thank you for that. <laughs> oh, You're oh, already helping. <laughs> from a family vacation trip last week. So yes, I understand. And when you bring in, you know, cousins and aunts and uncles and in-laws and parents like it's just yeah hot mess it can be a hot mess for sure so um I agree with so true so all right we're gonna take just a brief break to hear a word from our sponsors and then we are going to actually hear some great tips right we've heard all of the suffering and all the challenges and now we're going to hear those tips about um from amanda about the ways that we can stay more regulated so that we can teach our little ones to do the same. And we're going to hear about her favorite resources for parents and caregivers interested in learning more about that. 
As a parent or caregiver of an infant or toddler, you wanna make sure you're doing it right. But everywhere you look, there is another learning toy or fancy subscription box that you don't have room for and that your child seems to lose interest in all too quickly. You want to support your infant or toddler's development, but you struggle finding the right toys or enough time and energy to do it. You just want the map to get through these first few years and find more joy in the journey as well. If any of this rings true for you, you're in the right place. Right now, I am giving away my Infant Toddler Development Blueprint, a straightforward guide that will help you discover the four major areas of development in the first three years of life and what's involved in each of those areas, find out what you can do to support development using what you already have in your home, learn how to follow my four pillar framework to maximize the time you're already spending with your tiny human and much, much more. If you are ready to boost your infant or toddler's learning, stop feeling like you're winging it all the time and simplify your life, head to strengthenwords.com slash blueprint and download my free infant toddler development blueprint today. Okay, Amanda, so let's get down and dirty. We okay. would like to hear your top tips for parents and caregivers mm -hmm. to help us stop yelling. Okay. <laughs> There's so many. Okay. So what I did initially was I decided to pull out um, some physical reminders, some things that I had that I could touch, that I could see that reminded me of my challenge to stop yelling at my kids. And they, I left them around the house. My son's favorite color at the time was yellow. And he, so I cut out yellow hearts out of construction paper and I posted them in like hot spots around my house, like on his bedroom door to help me for bedtime, um, on my kitchen refrigerator, you know, for dinner times and things on my rear view mirror in the car, you know, places like that. So I could like bump into them throughout the day and how I use them is a, as a reminder to stay calm. And but, but B is more of like an anger check-in So take those moments when I ran into one and just check and see where my anger was because there's a scale of anger going from one, which I call the Zen mama. She's, you know, all happy and easy going and relaxed. I'm not there very often. I'm usually somewhere in the middle <laughs> all the way up to the Hulk mama, which is where I was when I blew up on my son, where you're out of yourself in anger and rage. And so what I would like to do is to check myself. Am I getting close on that scale? Am I getting closer to the Hulk mama or am I more towards the Zen mama stage? And then if I felt myself feeling more angry, then I would do some calm down tips and calm down tips don't have to be they, there's a variety of them. A lot of times when we think of calm down. We think of like deep breathing, doing these calming, relaxing things, which are one type of calm down tip. But there's also things like turning on some dance music and dancing and getting out some of that stuff, um, maybe going outside and running around and getting some of the energy out, even blowing bubbles or those calm down jars. There's a tons of different ways of calming down. I actually have a list of over 50 calm down tips and they're all broken up into these categories. So they're easy to use, but we all have different ways that calm down that work for us. What works for you may not work for me. I honestly don't do well with the deep breathing. I do much better with something where I can be physical. And so if I can, you know, go for a walk with my kids, if I could put on that dance music, those kinds of things, will those help me calm down best. 
just because I know myself. But as you go through this process, you're going to learn what calm down tips work for you most. You're going to have a few favorite ones that you're going to lean towards. So whenever you run into those physical reminders, you do a check-in. Am I feeling angry right now? What can I do to get calm? And that's one of my favorite ways of staying calm throughout your day. Um, and you put and them that- in these like trigger point areas that you often yeah. find or like within rooms, like you were saying, bedtime. Totally smart. Oh my gosh. It's brilliant. Yeah. Okay, Bathroom keep going. You know, you're brushing teeth. I don't know what it is about when my kids like start dancing and playing around with their brushing. It drives me up the wall. Like, so that's a trigger spot for me. And I know now, now that they're old enough to brush their teeth, I can't even watch. I'm like, you just go brush your teeth and I'll check you later. Make sure you're good. But when they're a little, just, oh, anyway. So I always had a, a heart in there because that was where I needed to do that check-in for myself. So I think that's my, my favorite one. So if you're looking to stop yelling right now, that's going to get your biggest bang for your buck right now. One of the other things I teach is called the ABCs of yelling. This one takes more practice because basically what I'm asking you to do is whenever you find yourself starting to get angry, you need to stop, (laughs) assess the situation. Is this something that I need to deal with right now? Or can it wait just a second? And I'm not talking like, is it an emergency? Like if this this is an emergency that I deal with it right now, if not, then they can wait three seconds. Like we're not asking you to wait a long time to deal with the situation. Just a second, take a breath. That's your B. So you stop and you breathe and you do your calm down tip and your C is you calmly address the situation. So it's learning, you know, I've learned, there's a great quote, I can't remember his name, Vincent, somebody, basically, he says, between a stimulus and response, there's power in that moment. So between that something that happens to you, and the way you respond, that's where the power is, is in that empty space. So you need to take the time and use that empty space, the best of your ability, take a pause. And unless it's an emergency, you can take a pause. You don't have to address everything right away. You can take that second. And that's one of those things that takes a while to practice. It's something that I, this is one of the very first tips I give to my people in my course, because I want them to practice it from the very beginning. So they're really good at it by the end of the course, because it takes a while, but really learning how, but I think the most important thing is learning how your body responds to anger and being able to be aware of the way your body's responding before you get angry. And so things like feel your heart rate speeding up, you get sweaty, you're, you find that you're breathing heavier, you find that you're getting snippy, your kids, your hands are getting sweaty, you know, all those little signs that, you, that anger is building, that's when you need to start catching yourself and doing something to calm yourself down before you react. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So my five-year-old is very we were given, he's starting kindergarten next year, right? So we went to like a kindergarten panel and the future kindergarten teacher was talking about how she uses this phrase in the classroom. And if we want to start using it now, it's, it could be a useful thing. And she's like, she just asked them, is this a big potato problem or a small potato problem? And I love, (laughs) and I've been using it with my five-year-old because he can understand that. Uh, but I'm realizing actually, as you're talking about this, that one thing that is going to help me is if I draw little potatoes mm-hmm. <laughs> and I put them on sticky notes in my trigger areas, yeah. then I will hopefully start to retrain my brain. Cause this is what you're asking us to do, yeah, which absolutely. is really, that's what it takes, right? Yeah. You're retraining your brain. You're retraining all of those automatic responses that you were taught as you grew up that you are using as a sort of a fight or flight, right? As just they're triggered, they're automatic responses, but we 
if we don't want our children to yell and scream, and I don't want my five-year-old doing that or my two-year-old, then I have to be the one to model that. Yes. So I need to ask myself whether this is a big potato problem or a small potato yes. problem, and how I want to deal with it. So, And you'll find that most of them are small potato problems. I mean, like... Exactly. When it comes yeah. down to it, like most things are pretty small. So, and I think that that's been the biggest thing for me is like, I don't have to respond right away to every single little thing. And that was one of the harder things for me because I thought that, you know, is that consistency and follow through and make sure you're there for every little thing and all those kind of stuff. But realizing that sometimes I needed to get myself to a point where I could address it appropriately. And by yeah. taking that second break is sometimes all you need. And um, yeah. And so understanding if this is really important or not. And I do the same thing. I, I also teach people how to pick battles. Like, is this really worth getting into an argument with your child about? Is this really worth, um, you know, correcting your child's behavior or is this not? And trying to decide, you know, what, what that is too. Cause um, yeah. And for the perfectionists among us, oh, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> not, not naming any names that can be hard. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you're walking around going, no, don't do that. No, stop doing that. No, you don't. And then, yeah, it's going to cause your child to, you know, feel a little anxious, but it's also going to make you feel more angry throughout the day. Cause all, cause you're walking around telling your child no, all day long and it can be exhausting. So if you can find those ways to bring in more yeses, you can find ways to be more accepting of your child's um, behavior or understanding that what they're doing is developmentally appropriate, which is another you teach a lot about that. Um, you know, so it's, and then being able to approach them from a more positive, more yes place and a no place, then you're going to feel more calm and your child's going to feel more calm too. And it's going to be pretty great. So. Yeah, that's great. I wanted to bring in also, we had a podcast episode a while back with Tracy Kutchlow, who talks a lot about the language of listening. Mm -hmm. uh, and her, the first step in that is just that, say what you see. And I think that can be a great tool in that assessment mm -hmm. part, the A part of what you're talking about. Like yeah. the thing to actually just do to just step back and that can be a give, give us as, as the grownups, like some action to do is just mm -hmm. like, you are really loud. Yeah. <laughs> you are so loud. You're using your voice in a big way, yeah. right? Without the judgment trying. And I, yeah, the first time I said that you are really loud, that did have judgment, right? Yeah. So in taking, trying to figure out a way to take out that judgment piece and just literally say what you see or yeah. hear your voice is so big right now. And that is so powerful. Um, I'll even say like, wow, you seem so angry right now. Yeah. Um, and what that does, if you put an emotion to it, then your child will actually calm down a lot faster because they understand that you get it. Like, oh, yes. mom, I'm angry. I don't need to like show her that I'm angry. She gets it. You know, he already gets it. Already yeah. It. And, and you're touching them on a very personal level and they feel connected with you and they're going to more easily calm down. So um, say what you see, if you can attach an emotion to it, like that's, that's yeah, beautiful. even more powerful. I do it to my children all the time. <laughs> yeah. So great. Oh, some awesome, awesome tips. Do you have anything more for us there or shall we move on to resources? We can move on, I think. Let's okay. So what are some of your favorite resources that you like to share with families, Amanda? Where can <laughs> you, where can you get others? <laughs> you can, you can give us yours and any others. Like if you have books okay. or you know, any other books yeah. or podcasts or whatever. Yeah, there's a lot of really good stuff out there. I lean more towards, I think 
anything you can have more positive parenting spin on is going to be great when it comes to your yelling as well. So um, I really like Aiden McCready's Positive Parenting Solutions. She has a whole webinar that's um, how to get your kids to listen without having to yell, nag, or bribe. It's the other word. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, nice. and that one's really Power. great. Um, but hers is all about you know that positive parenting, how to get your kids to listen to you, which I think is really important. What I speak about, I come at it from a very different perspective where I really feel like we have to get the parents to a good emotional place before we can even talk about how to parent the children. We need to get you know the parents calm and be able to get the parents to be able to cope because if you have parents who are a hot mess, then they're not gonna be able to parent their children appropriately. So um, I think the program, like my program, which is called Mama Zinger Management, is a great tie-in with the Positive Parenting Solutions because I come, I start you off on the, you know, how do I, how do you cope with these big behaviors? How do you deal with um, the anger? And then she can take it to actually how to get your kids to listen to you so you don't feel like you have to raise your voice and yell at them. Um, yeah. So they're really great programs that work well together. I promote her stuff all the time. And so I actually have a couple different resources. I'm building um, the Calm Mom Guide, which will be available next week. So by the time this podcast is up, it'll be live on my site. And you can find that at messymotherhood.com. I'm going to give IEL the link straight to um, getting that blue, that um, that guide. And then um, if you're here joining us live, sorry, <laughs> um, then I will give a waitlist sign up. So it'll be the same URL either way. So you can either waitlist to get it or go ahead and sign up for it. But it's a great um, kind of blueprint that takes you through the whole process of learning how to stop yelling at your children. And it does start with that emotional piece that um, all parents have to kind of deal with before they can even talk about calm down tips or really what to do when you want to stop yelling. We have to start from the very beginning and that's that emotional piece. So that's what the Calm Mom Guide kind of takes you through. So. Amazing. Oh, that's great. Um, and if anybody else has any, you know, positive parenting type things that go along with that piece, please go ahead and leave that in the chat. Yeah. There's a ton uh, of great authors out there with all sorts of stuff. So. There's so many. Anything else? I don't, I don't think so. Perfect. It's so great. So thank you so much, Amanda. And thank you to all of the community lab members who are here listening live. We are going to continue this discussion and open up for a Q&A session for you guys in just a minute. We already have a couple of questions here. And for everyone listening from home or on the go, thank you much for joining us and we will see you next time. Thank you. Thanks for being here. See you later. What will you do the rest of your day? Goodbye to the babies. Goodbye to the toddlers. Goodbye bigger kids. Goodbye all the siblings. Goodbye to the grown-ups. Goodbye to the singers. Goodbye I yell it. Goodbye Amanda. We laughed and we played. We're getting very clever. This is what counts being here together. Thanks so much, everyone. The Strength in Words podcast brings you information, tips, and resources about all things early parenthood and early childhood. Don't forget to download our free infant toddler development blueprint by heading to strengthinwords.com blueprint today. If you haven't yet done so, please do leave a review of the Strength in Words podcast on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. That helps other people find the good work we're doing. And after you've done that, go ahead and share Strength in Words with a friend or colleague. See you next time.